Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, as we've seen, this is a song of faith for troubled times. It's the solid logic of faith, uh, solid answers in days of confusion, answers to the real and the vital issues of life. And this, um, as we have said, it's divided really into three stanzas. And this final stanza in verses eight to 11 is God's word to the, to, word to the world. And so with that in mind, as we come to this verse 10, uh, I want to suggest we have two things to think about. Very simple and very straightforward. And I hope there'll be an encouragement. Firstly, here is a command to be obeyed uh, in the first part of the verse. And then secondly, a fact to be recognized by the world. So first, a command to be obeyed. Uh, well, we can divide this up into uh, two or three different sections. Let's look first then at the command described, and that is the words, be still, be still. Now, if you're a Hebrew scholar, you will know that there is some um, uh, concern about whether this is uh, the, the, the best and the, the, the most useful translation. I think it is. I think it's very helpful. Because what the psalmist is encouraging us to do is to be still and to be quiet before God. And it comes from a root word to mean to slacken off, not to slacken off from our care, but to, to as it were, to leave alone, to desist from all the worries and all the cares of the world. And that's a wonderful thing to do as we come to pray. Be quiet, be calm. We come before God. We can, in that sense, um, loosen our ties to the world and the things of the world and all the things that have occupied us uh, through the day. Uh, for me here, it's almost the end of the day. So I've had a, a busy day today, but I can relax from that and I can spend time with fellow believers in prayer around the word of God and, and I can be quiet and be still before God. And I think that's a wonderful picture, isn't it? And that's what we're doing, in a sense, as we gather to pray. This is God's word, but it's not just a word to us as believers. It's actually God's word to the nations. And in the context of this psalm, the great works of God have been described. The fact that he is uh, the God who is uh, in charge of everything, even though the earth be removed and the mountains carried into the midst of the sea and so on. There is a river whose make sugar make glad the city of God. There is a place of peace. There is a place where God is in the midst of his people. But look at the works of the Lord, verse eight. He's made desolations in the earth. He has interfered in his world. He keeps control of things. And he brings judgment upon the nations. And he has uh, come with awful desolations at times, verse 8. And he has brought those particularly on the nations who have opposed him. And I don't know about you, but certainly as I look at Great Britain today, I, I am not surprised that we're in the mess we're in uh, without going into our political situation. The, the mess we're in because of the fact that we've turned our back upon God and his word. The power and sovereignty of God's delivering grace is wonderful towards his people, but they're very solemn words of judgment to those who oppose him. 
So therefore be still and recognize that he is God. Psalm 62, 1. Truly my soul waits silently for God. From him comes my salvation. Psalm 65, 1. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed. Waiting, waiting upon God. And then we get that, that verse in Revelation 8, 1, which I, I won't stop to deal with now. But when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And even heaven is at times speechless before the justice and the majesty of God. Now, of course, we saw see, or we see something of that when our Lord walked this earth. I said we saw, well, of course, none of us were there, but you, you understand we see it in the, the storm on the lake. What does our Lord do? He stands up, he stretches his hand out over the sea and he says, peace, be still. And the disciples, what do they say? What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, my friends, the world may not recognize yet, but it must recognize sooner or later that God is God. And how much better it is to do it now than when it is too late. Well, that's the command described. There's so much more I could say about it. Secondly, the author of the command, be still and know that I am God, says God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that men and women today are really blind to the true and living God. How often we have to explain to them and speak to them about who God really is. Recognize, says God, that I am the mighty one, the judge of the whole earth, the sovereign savior, the creator of the world speaks. And as men rage against the God of truth and his commands, as they rage against his salvation, as they roar against the saints, God says, be still, for I am God and there is none beside him. What comfort that is to us as we pray. And though the nations may not acknowledge God, now they will have to do so one day. We become, I think, sometimes in the West too soft, too squeamish. God will punish sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. If the wicked turn not, the Lord will whet his sword and bend his bow against them. Psalm 2, of course, describes that and speaks of the folly of opposing God, that God in the heavens uh, laughs not with a laugh of amusement, but with scorn at the futility of man's uh, tr man trying to defy him and defeat him. And so the psalm tells us to kiss the son lest he be angry and serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. The command described, the author of the command, I am God. But what about the knowledge of this command? Be still and know that I am God. And here is a word, word to the world, to the nations, to the heathen, to the enemies of God. Look at verses eight and nine. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear into 
he burns the chariot in the fire. But we see wars and fighting in this world, don't we, at the moment? In Ukraine, in, uh, in the Yemen, in uh, parts of the Middle East, in other places. Christians persecuted, put, put to death. Great and terrible things happening. But God has not lost control. The ends of the earth, the nations, are under his word. Now, these words are not so much the Lord drawing near his people to comfort them. That's a true biblical truth. But here is God pronouncing upon the nations, God addressing his enemies. Now, that's a double reason for us as his saints to take courage. Our God, the living God, speaks to us, but he speaks to the nations. I often think about those words in the next psalm, Psalm 47. It begins with words which some people have taken as a sort of uh, an opportunity, as it were, to, to, uh, to, to be lighthearted and even lightheaded. But I'm not so sure. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Now, that is not polite applause. It is the thunderclap of triumph and victory in the presence of the awesome power of God. But the Christian can rejoice. Because if you're a child of God, you are under his powerful protection. God is not against you. He rules and reigns. But if you're not a child of God, then you have every cause to fear. That's why I love those words in Psalm 100 and verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. To the believer, that's wonderful. That's glorious. And God will get glory to his name. And he will keep his own safe through all the trials of life. Now, we do face many trials, don't we? William Carey, of course, fell, faced great trials when he went to India. And uh, you may know, I, I don't know whether you know, but uh, there was a great fire that destroyed the patient labor of many years. And what does William Carey say? He said, this is a heavy blow, but I wish to be still and to know that the Lord is God and to bow my will to him in everything. And one who wrote about this said this, it was a great triumph of his spirit over calamity. Surely it's, surely it's secret was the man's receptiveness of God, Carey's receptiveness of God. The peace of God that passed all understanding gave him quietness of mind and the stillness that is strength. So we can say with the hymn writer, when all around my soul gives way, he then is still my strength and stay. I love Pilgrim's Progress. I hope you read it. I hope you read it every year. I hope you don't think it just as a children's book. I hope you I try and read it at least once every year. Uh, and in that book, of course, uh, Christian uh, coming to the Palace Beautiful finds that the rich lions are in the road and he's filled with fear. And the watchman at the door shouts to him, stay in the center of the path. They are chained. They may rage and roar. They may fill us with fear, 
but they cannot touch us. And Christian learns that even though he can feel the hot breath of the lions on his neck as he walks between right down the center of the of the of the of the um, aisle, uh, the, 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 the road, they cannot touch him because their chains will not allow them to reach him. What an encouragement when the lions rage, when the devil, that roaring lion rage rages. He can only touch us when God allows him. They may, he may fill us with fear, but he cannot touch us. What an encouragement to be a member of Zion City, to know this God is our refuge and strength. Verse 10. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year, a command to be obeyed. Very briefly, a fact to be recognized. Again, one or two things to say. Firstly, here's a statement. I will be exalted. Now, it's stated twice. I will be exalted among the nations. I will ex be exalted in the earth. What did God do when he exalted his son? He raised him and set him in the place of highest honor. God's purpose is to exalt himself among the peoples of the earth so that the multitudes, the heathen, will have to come to recognize that God is God. Our God is no tribal God limited to the hills, limited and prescribed by man's conceptions of him. He is the God of the whole earth. And man has rebelled against him. But in the very place where man has carried out his rebellion, God will be exalted. So don't boast in your folly. God will yet be glorified in the earth and all the powers of the nations before him are nothing. God will have the final say. God will have, we might say, the last laugh. And you will either exalt God by your willing acceptance of his grace or you will exalt him by your receiving the due punishment for your sin and rebellion against him. Every knee will bow before him on that last day either in willing submission or in abject fear. The statement, God will be exalted. The fulfillment, how and when will this be fulfilled? Well, partly now in the triumphs of mercy over judgment. When God's people were delivered from Egypt, they knew something of that. When uh, Sennacherib was defeated, they knew something of that. When Nebuchadnezzar was brought down to the dust and recognized that there was only one true God, God was exalted. And when, of course, God took rebellious Jonah and he did actually go to Nineveh, again, God was exalted in the earth. And, of course, it will be fully seen when the Lord comes again. Now, the true, true people of God may be feeble now, but what a day of triumph is coming. God is still on the throne of the universe. He will never forsake his throne. This should give us his people solid comfort in days of adversity. Almighty God has pledged his word. He, therefore, we can be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because we know that our labor is not in vain in him. Thirdly, the consequences. What are the consequences? Well, heed the warning. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Don't ignore God's gracious warnings of his words of warning. Now, there's no point in giving a warning if there's no way of escape. 
That's the wonder of it, isn't it? God will be exalted in your life. If you're an unbeliever, then you're living for yourself. But God will be glorified, so you're in a losing battle. And even souls in hell are bringing glory to God. What are they saying in hell? I'll tell you what they're saying in hell. What are they saying about God in hell? They're saying true and righteous are his ways. They know it then. They may defy him now, but they cannot then. They will know that true and righteous are his ways. Now, God doesn't delight in judgment. It is his strange work, the prophets tell us. But how much better to turn and surrender to him now and cry for mercy before that day, terrible day of judgment comes, when all who oppose him will be cast out forever. But for those who know him, be still and know that I am God, that I am the merciful and gracious God who still forgives the repentant sinner, who still comes to his faithful people who seek his face. Don't delay. Don't put off the day of grace. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. What an inspiration for our prayers to keep praying to this great God who will never fail us and never forsake us. To come with confidence into his presence, to be still and know that he is God. What a blessing as we turn to prayer today. Amen.